At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Let me introduce you to our latest sponsor, the Andre Law Firm. Andre Law can represent you or your business in a variety of civil and commercial matters. Do you have a client that has proven difficult to collect from? Andre Law also specializes in collection law and can expedite your collection on judgments from your defaulting clients. The principal of Andre Law Firm is Tony Andre, a North Miami native with years of experience representing businesses and individuals throughout the state of Florida. Based in Aventura, you can give him a call at 786-708-0813 or visit his website at andrelaw.com. Again, give Andre Law a call at 786-708-0813 to set up your consultation. All right, I want to talk to you about a new sponsor of ours, and it's one that's very relevant to the moment. They're a new division of Greenview Construction, and they are called Making America Clean Again. Making America Clean Again holds certificates in bacterial, viral, fungi, and mold cleaning treatments. They offer professional cleaning, sanitizing, disinfecting, and sterilization services to a wide range of residential and commercial projects. You can do overnight ozone UV generator treatments or even permanently install UV ionized advanced oxidation technology into your HVAC system. Now, we know and understand, and quite frankly, we hope, that businesses across the state and nation remain shuttered as long as absolutely necessary necessary to beat back the spread of the coronavirus. But when that time finally comes, having that certificate to display at your workplace showing that it has been properly cleaned by a licensed professional and maintained will go a long way to restoring that customer trust. So for more information, you can look up Making America Clean Again. You can go to their website at www.macainc.net or you can just call them at 855-561-6653. Again, that's 855-561-6653. Welcome to Three Yards Per Carry, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon. And we're on, and welcome to another edition of Three Yards Per Carry. I'm Alfredo Artiaga. Chris Kaufman is here. Simon Clancy is here. And we have a new sponsor, Chris. Yeah, we'd like to welcome a new sponsor to the family. Uh, this is Christopher Tyson. He's opening up a new branch of... Um, of Greenview Construction, which is called Make America Clean Again. They specialize in uh, in cleaning and disinfecting and um, and sterilizing uh, for commercial and residential uh, purposes. So it's kind of uh, apropos for uh, for the current environment. Um, but yeah, you heard the ad, and then so we'd like to welcome in. Yeah, it's not as sexy as as what Simon has. You know, he has the gambling. I get the lawyers, and you get mold removal. We all need mold removal. We all do. <laughs> yes, we do. Well, speaking of mold removal, uh, it's been a a hectic week in the rumor mill, and everybody has us trading like four thousand first round picks for Joe Burrow. Not that I believe it, but who knows? You know, nobody knows at this point, and it might be real. It might not be. What do you think of it, Simon? Um, I think it's all part of the... I mean, Chris and I have been friends for 20 years, Chris. 
and every single that's year that's fair yeah i think every single year we've talked about the pre-draft smoke machine <clears throat> and i don't think in the, that 20 years we've ever had three picks in the first round and we've ever been in the situation with which we could draft what we believe to be a transcendent quarterback um and I think what's happening is that stuff's getting fed to the media by the team. There's gossip. And uh, and I think all of it, you know, you look at all the positive stuff that, that we've heard Dolphins brass via sources say about Joe Burrow. You know, we're looking to trade up and give up all our picks for him. We're, you know, enamored with, with Justin Herbert and all that he's done. The release of the information that, that Jordan Love was snuck into the facility before uh, the the uh, coronavirus deadline the fact that then we found out today that he was on facetime all the positive stuff that's been said about all these other guys and yet really the only thing that's been said about tour is the stuff that was very negative that Stephen ross said all you know about the injury and we're not really sure we may have to move in a different direction and it's just created that sort of you know and i, I just feel like it's part of the part of the pre-draft smoke machine and i, and I still remain steadfast that the, the real target is the is the kid in crimson I would normally agree with Simon, and we've talked many times about how much the Dolphins are on to Tua Tonga-Vailoa and how much we hear about it and how much we personally want this to happen. Uh, Normally, this is draft season. You want to disregard a lot of what's being said. The one thing that gives me pause is who's telling me that and how often I've been burned in the past, in particular, for disregarding what's coming from this, uh, you know, I guess this... uh, pipeline of source um specifically having more to do with dolphins ownership and business than with the football side of things uh they've told me in the past about some things that i've been like no 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 we hear this we hear that we hear you know laramie tunsil now that's not happening we hear you know uh brian flores his interview wasn't that good or or he's he's you know, second or third on the list and stuff like that. And and I've been burned almost every time. And so now I'm hearing this, that this Joe Burrow thing is real. Uh, and then a month from now, we're going to look back and we're going to say, this is what all of it was for. This is what trading Tunsil was for. This is what um, the, uh, the tank was for. And the idea being, uh, and I've heard this from multiple places now, that the Dolphins trade two first round picks this year, including the number five and a first round pick next year and move up from five to one and get Joe Burrow. And that would still leave them with a first round pick this year and a first round pick next year. So basically to act like normal drafts um, other than having Joe Burrow in the fold. And I guess, you know, my first reaction is I don't think Cincinnati would do this. I don't, you know, and I'm not sure Miami would either, but, it's just who it's coming from. It's uh, it's too it's too much for me to ignore. So I, I think it's a real legitimate possibility. Well, let me say this. Well, first of all, our listeners, if you're hearing Chris sounding a little bit different, like if he's talking on a phone, that's because he is because Zoom is acting up tonight. So we're trying to make do with the audio we can. But let me say this: they traded all these guys before Joe Burrow had this historic season. So. Are they? Did they just load up on assets just to guarantee that they can get the number one quarterback this year? And did they have it in their mind that, oh, maybe some guy comes out of left field like Joe Burrow and he becomes the number one quarterback and then that's who we want? Because I don't think that's much of a plan. I think that's this, just... 
this sounds to me like a, I mean, and I totally get Chris's source, and we've we've discussed this privately. Many t- discussed this particular individual many times, uh, and what this person says over the years. Mm-hmm. But this does sound like an own. You know, this is very much an, uh, the beating of an ownership drum. This does not sound like a general manager drum. This does not sound like a coaching staff drum in terms of you know, being so inured with Joe Burrow, you know, nothing against Burrow. You know, I've been a fan of Burrow, as we know, and we've had back and forth on this podcast for months during the college football season about, about his level of ability. But it, this sounds very much like the sort of thing that an ownership would be pushing hard for. Um, it doesn't necessarily strike me as something that Brian Flores, you know, look, Flores might be enamoured with Burrow, but it doesn't sound to me as though this is something that's coming directly from him, if that makes more sense. You know, this feels mm-hmm. like something that's coming from from not within the football staff. And and so that would that would be the reason to give me some sort of pause on that. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree mm-hmm. with you 100%. I think that this is totally, this is totally sounding like a Steve Ross driven you know it's it's steve ross driven but i i want to be careful with that because it's not that i think that he's totally asserting himself on the process it's think about think about what happened in um 2013 right and this is the the year that we traded up and got uh Deion jordan right mm-hmm. uh think about the the story that's become sort of or that quickly became sort of canon about how that developed and what happened how there was there was a dinner before the draft and they kind of went around the table you know well who's your who's your top player who who would you really want if if you had if you had your choice and weren't constrained by everything and and everybody kept saying Deion Jordan best best defensive player in the um in the draft and then a trade comes up right a trade the the trade opportunity comes up and and Steve Ross is like well, if that's who everybody wants, why don't we go up there and get it? And and I think that that's the sort of influence that Steve Ross typically has. You know, in the previous draft, he's he was asking these people, why don't you trade down? You know, why don't why don't you strategically trade down and um and get some more assets? And of course, Chris Greer, you know, stands on the table and says, you know, no, I'll take the heat if 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 this is bad, but we're not going to trade down. We're going to you know sit here and take our guy. Um. But I, I think that this does sound like a Steve Ross thing. Like, well, well, who's your number one? What do you guys think of Joe Burrow? And they say, well, just like a lot of evaluators have said this year, he had a fantastic season. He's a fantastic quarterback. Um, you know, right up there with Tua Tagovailoa, except the obvious difference: one is healthy, one is not, or one is only getting healthy and has had a catastrophic injury um, that a lot of people still have questions about. So if, if there's, if that's the evaluation that he's getting from his people, then why wouldn't he push them and be like, well, shoot, why don't you just go up and get, get the guy? We have the ammunition, you know, if this is the number one guy, we have the ammunition, we can go up and go get it. So I I think that that, that could be the push and it could be the source of the push is Steve Ross. Now, it's interesting that you mentioned that Deion Jordan year because uh, on our old website, uh, thefins.com, uh, I remember breaking that story. And that afternoon, they had a trade in place to move up for Deion Jordan or they had a trade down in place to take the other guy that they liked on the edge. And that was Bjorn Werner. I believe that was his first name, right? Bjorn? Bjorn. Yeah. Yeah, okay. 
And those were the two guys. So to me, that's a plan. They, they set out to get an edge player, and that's a it's plan. It's not a very good plan. No, it was a shit plan. It was a terrible plan. Yeah, I, I, that's a turnout. That was a disaster. But how is this a plan? We're just going to get a bunch of first-round picks? And this is why I don't believe it, because I don't think that anybody's this stupid. We're just going to go get a bunch of first-round picks? And just in case we win too many games, we're just going to dump them on the team yeah. who's first? Just so we also, get this guy who could theoretically become really good? Also, I don't, I don't why, understand that. Why, why would we but think that, that Cincinnati are going to – but why, why would we think that the Bengals are going to take that deal anyway? I think it's arrogant to, to assume uh, – I don't mean that you're arrogant at all, but I mean the conceit that somehow, oh, we're just going to wave three first-round picks at the Bengals and they're going to – you know, I read Peter King's column mm. today. There's, there's a lot of people that think the Bengals – and look – the Bengals, we've talked about it, the Bengals are a significantly more talented team than their record showed. You know, they've done pretty well in free agency. They've spent some money, DJ Reader, guys like that, Von Bell, guys that we, we liked, that they've brought in. Why would we think that Cincinnati are just going to say, you know what, we're just going to, we're just going to, yeah, that's fine. We'll just settle for, for, for a guy who essentially, look, the, the, it, and it's bigger than football as well. Joe Burrow is from the area. Joe Burrow's girlfriend is born, raised, lives in Cincinnati, Ohio. You know, he, he is a, a hero to that part of the state of Ohio for, 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 for where he's come from, for what he said about poverty in the area on, on Heisman Trophy night, for the money that he raised um, from that night. And I just think that there's more that goes into it. it you know, it's a, it's a bums on seats, it's a shirt-selling thing and i just don't see that the bengals think that you know what are the bengals going to get in return is justin herbert the guy they re- the cincinnati really wants to lead there is two of the you know if two or justin herbert were the guy then they would take them at number one i just i just don't feel comfortable with thinking that oh well the bengals are just going to roll over and take three ones I, that but, to me just makes no sense for for them but if you've got if you've got a similar evaluation on burrow as you would to then why but wouldn't you know, take? But we don't know that they do have, do we? Well, we don't. We don't know what that they do. But there has been there have been rumors the entire time about the Bengals and Justin. Rumors that we've talked about many times yeah. on this show about Justin Herbert and how well he fits the offense uh, already, like that's already in place there. And Zach Taylor, uh, having coached him at the Senior Bowl and being able to go with a guy that he's already coached. I, I mean, if, if you've got similar evaluations on these quarterbacks, then naturally you take the one that nets you extra first-round picks. And one thing that I'll say is like sort of a um, you know, devil's advocate here is we've got a, we've got a seriously interrupted process, right, with the, with the NFL draft this year. I mean, the coronavirus has really shut everything down. Uh, there are no pro days going on. Uh, it, it's it's really it's really surreal, actually, um, what what's ha- happening right now with the NFL. So the teams that have a lot of the, we're hearing this too from media people. The teams that coached the Senior Bowl are walking in with a little bit of an advantage here because they had the most hands-on, close-up you know encounters and um, and information gathering about these players in the Senior Bowl. And you're not going to get that. You're not going to be able to capitalize that on that unless you have the picks to take the players. 
So if you were to trade down with the Dolphins to number five, pick up the guy you already coached at the senior bowl that you're really enamored with that fits your system and everything like that. You also have extra picks that you can use to pick more guys that you coached at the senior bowl, more guys that you had the hands-on experience with that you, that you feel like you were able to handpick and, and know can fit in your system because you've already seen it. And those other teams out there with this, um, this very surreal atmosphere we've had with no NFL activity and, and a work from home, you know, uh, thing going on around the country right now, these other teams are maybe flying a little bit more blind and maybe the Bengals are thinking that they can capitalize on us. As advocate, I just don't think it's inured in any fact. I just don't believe that that's going to happen. You, all the things that you talk about when the Bengals met with Burrow and, you know, you spoke to some of the pl- plugged in journalists, you heard from the plugged in journalists, you said that, you know, they absolutely love the guy. I just don't see that, the, I don't see that there would be any portion of, I, I, I just don't understand that any evaluator would walk away from a what is essentially a, a, a posh all-star game and change everything that they've seen on tape, you know, because watching Burrow versus watching Herbert is like watching night versus day or sun versus shade. What I will say is that it, recently for the magazine I have spoken to in the past six weeks, one current general manager, one former general manager who's working for at least two teams in this draft and one writer who is one of the pro one of the members of the pro football writers of america and they have all consistently said to me that nfl teams value tour significantly lower than fans do and that mm. both nfl teams value joe burrow and justin herbert above tour and not just because of the injury take that for whatever you want but mm. yeah and as far as as know. far as having an advantage i believe it was dave hyde who wrote earlier today that the Dolphins have a significant advantage in that in in this regard, that a lot of these prospects are working out down here, and they can make their way to doctors to yeah. get physicals and checkups on in, on previous injuries that the Dolphins can be privy to, whereas everybody else has to just work with PDF files or videos or or emails. So the Dolphins should have a a leg up in that regard. We're still a month away, though, aren't we? We're still a month away from yeah. from, from draft day. Four days, is it? You know, Nashville is not. You know, Nashville is not. You know, they're 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 working out of Lipscomb at the university there, Liberal Arts University, where Trent Dilfer's the head coach. That they are. You know, I don't think it's with with outside the realms of possibility that a either a team doctor or a you know a trusted doctor that the dolphins have worked with will be able to be in that area and be able to get their hands on on him between now and three and a half weeks time that i believe unless everything gets shut down completely now let me ask you guys this uh i've been checking the three ypc account and some guys some people have sent in some questions and i found this one interesting and this one's from uh danny leon 66 and he writes can you guys address the reporting by some beat writers that Jordan Love has some personality traits that some find distasteful? I've heard this for the first time this past week. I don't know what to make of it, except that it's more smoke. Chris? I've never heard of anything that, um, aside from some questions about the marijuana incident, which I personally just, you know, throw that in the garbage as I, I'm, I'm tired of hearing about it. Um, and I think that with the new CBA, maybe we're not going to hear about it. Um, but anyway, aside from that, 
I have heard nothing. I mean, this is a guy that uh, that obviously had a very challenging um, upbringing uh, in some in some very uh, tragic ways, but uh, but by all by all uh, accounts, his personality, his football personality, um, have been really really good. Uh, very detail oriented, very leadership oriented, um, very uh, I guess gregarious and. A lot of teammates get along with him really well, um, but he's also, you know, not known as a goofy kind of guy like Jameis Winston, that sort of guy. Um, I, I, I've never heard anything bad about his personality. Mm. I mean, I, the, the the former GM I spoke to referred to, and I quote, the, the, the marijuana thing as an all-time dumb move. Um, but generally, I think the consensus is that he's a good kid who just did something stupid. I mean, p- pretty stupid given the the timing of it. But you know, I, I I certainly not heard that. And again, I just think it's one of those. I think it's one of those unfortunate kind of pre-draft things that sort of, you know, gets banded around. And look, tonight, only tonight, just digging around something for the magazine, I discovered that Clyde Edwards Hilaire um, was involved in a, the the murder or not the murder, the shooting of a man. Um, a man died in a car in which Clyde Edwards Hilaire was in in a, uh, an attempted armed robbery. Um, he and another player, and actually, it's never been released who pulled the trigger, but it was either a linebacker, uh, a backup linebacker, or Edwards Hilaire. And they, they'd gone to essentially sell some electronics equipment to this guy that turned to the guy, tried to rob them, and, and one of the two guys shot and killed him. That's not been talked about yet. Here we are discussing potential fantasy comments about whether or not Jordan Love is a good human being or not you know and it, it's just yeah. it, it underlines the value that and the ludicrousness ludicrosity of the quarterback position and uh, and how much how important it is to invest in the right guy um, I, I mean look three 24 days out who would you say you know Alf who would you say right now all the smoke all the everything who would you think is the Dolphins target quarterback the more noise that i hear is i feel as if it's tuatonga vialoa and they're trying a bit too hard i think chris at this point I, you know I, I a couple maybe a week or two ago i would have said tuatonga vialoa all the way but now i'm i'm 50 50 they're going to pick out number one or they're going to pick out number five Hmm. And it's going to be it's going to be Burrow at number one, or it's going to be Tua at number five, because you know either the Cincinnati Bengals say yes to the sort of price tag that I've talked about, or um, or no. I thought it was interesting listening to Trent Dilfer talking to to uh, Rich Eisen the other day. Did you did you hear that? Um, obviously, Dilfer has been has known Tua since the 2016 Elite Eleven. Uh, which Tua won the MVP award of. And, and so Tua turned to Dilfer and Ken Wisenhunt um, to look after his pre-draft work. Um, and Dilfer talked with Rich and said, you know, uh, essentially, I mean, I'll quote, he said, you, you start to un- uncover greatness at the edge of discomfort. He's been through an awful lot of discomfort, but it's how he's attacked the recovery that's so encouraging. Go back and look at Drew Brees. Drew became a Hall of Fame quarterback by attacking that labrum tear rehab, and Tua's done exactly the same. If you just woke up from a coma for a year, you wouldn't think anything has changed if you saw him. He looks as good, if not better, than he did pre-injury. He looks absolutely fantastic. Now, I get there's a sense that he would say that, wouldn't he? That Trent has long been a, 
uh, a passionate advocate of, of tour but he said he went on to say look you know um it, it is difficult for teams and there is a lot of risk because of these medical unknowns that are obviously going to be lingering in and <laughs> what is that <laughs> that sounds like a dog and a chew toy yeah sensational <laughs> <laughs> Yes, and ladies says, and gentlemen, less, yes, three-way PC listeners, my hearing is perfect. Yes. He said, I know teams have huge decisions to make and they're to make, and they're going to have to place their trust in people from outside their organization. But I can only tell them what I've seen and what I've worked on. And what I'll tell the teams is that we are trying to build him for a 15-year Hall of Fame career because I think this kid is that special. He said they've changed the way he eats to use nutrition to protect his body. They've brought in the former Broncos and Chargers strength and conditioning coach who's worked on his core to strengthen his movements aimed at keeping him healthy. And he says, um, he, yeah, I mean, he just talks about how they're, they're working to essentially make his body smaller when he throws. He, Trent talked about the fact that he kind of leaves himself wide open for hits when he throws the ball. They're trying to make him much more compact. Um, they, he talks about how the torque has returned in his leg and in his hip, which is obviously something that people talked about. Um, and he also said they're going to release some more throwing videos and stuff just to show people exactly how he's throwing and, and what he looks like. It, yeah, it, it's fascinating. And, you know, who knows? If they, could release, a, if they could release like a full workout video, kind of like what Colin Kaepernick had released, remember? It's interesting, though. You say that. I, I, spoke to a, I spoke to a scout from an AFC team the other day, and he said uh, essentially that teams are literally ignoring everything that's being sent in by players so you've got a lot of players that haven't worked out guys that didn't work out in the combine that were injured free agent guys he said said, look we just we just don't even look at it we can't trust it because we don't know unless it's been run by the school uh, and because most of the schools are in lockdown it's very difficult for the kids to work out and for the for people to be there he said you know we're getting guys who are running 38 yard dashes guys who are you know all sorts of trickeration that you can use on videos you know it might be family members, but family members are invested in these kids running the quickest three cone that, you know, and it's just three cones put on the floor of a park. Nobody can exactly measure from the video how he said. So it's just not something that, that teams are, are paying attention to because they just can't. It's like, it's like double negative, it's false information. They just, it's impossible for them to take it on. And I, and I read today that, you know, when it came to Ashton Davis, somebody who was injured, couldn't work out of the combine. Um, Peter King has said that there are at least two teams in the league who are using G- who are using the university's GPS tracking systems to try and work out how fast players had run, both in changing direction skills and in sort of flat out, so they could get a, a predictive forty-yard time for for players. So um, these are unprecedented times when it comes to the draft, and it will um, it will be fascinating to see how it plays out. And I, I believe one way that it's going to change is what. ESPN and the NFL is planning for the draft. And I'm going to run this by you guys because I don't think this is like, you know, I'm not breaking any news here. It's been talked about plenty. But they're thinking about making this draft seem a little bit more, I would say, interactive with the teams. And they're planning on putting war room cams on every single team. That's 32 teams, 32 war room cams, one reporter assigned per team. And you're going to actually get to see the process of the teams sending in the picks and the commissioner logging the picks in. So commissioner's going to be doing it from his own house, isn't he? In Bronxville. In, so in I've heard a studio in New York that it's going to be yeah. 32 teams separated by, you know, basically drafting from their own draft rooms into well, an office in New York. 
some teams might not even be able to do that into their own. I mean, I, I read Peter King today, and I, Peter King's not my daddy, but you know, um, he um, he said that the 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 plan was that that Goodell would potentially do it from his home in um, in New Jersey or New York or wherever it is that he lives. Um, yeah, because there are going to be some teams that simply aren't going to be allowed to be in their facility at, at come draft time. You, you saw how John Lynch was. I don't know if you saw on Twitter the other day, but John Lynch had that. You know, he was doing the preview of how he and the guys were working, essentially just Zooms and and guys were sort of heading into meeting because, you know, it's not like you can just drop in and watch, you know, with five guys sitting and watching a load of tape. It's guys go away, watch all these plays, come back to me. You know, head coaches only seeing the guys for the first time at the start of the year. And he said in some respects it's actually made things easier because, you know, you're not getting opinions from head coaches who are sat at pro days going, oh, this guy's terrible and this guy's... Because they're, they're just not in, in the vicinity with the, the, the guys that they normally talk to at pro days and their their opinions aren't sort of tipped off before they even have a chance to look at them themselves. It's fascinating stuff. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how they're going to pull this off, but I think they can. If, if all they're trying to accomplish is a television program, I think they're going to be able to pull it off because the NFL Network and the ESPN, they're experts at this sort of, sort of stuff. And we didn't get to see a preview of it because there's supposed to be an, another draft beforehand. The WNBA draft is going to be conducted this way two weeks before the NFL draft. So we're going to get a sneak preview of what exactly do they mean by a team interactive draft. All right, on the way out, somebody sent us a question, and I think Simon's Simon's answer is going to be the one everybody's going to want to hear because I think he's been to more stadiums. But Corey Jarrell asks us a question. Tell me your first stadium, your last stadium, your best stadium, your worst stadium. Uh, my first stadium was Carrow Road, home of Norwich City mm. uh, in the Premier League. My last stadium was Anfield, home of Liverpool. The best stadium I've been to. Best stadium in terms of what the stadium looks like or the best stadium in terms of atmosphere. I, I don't know. It just says best stadium. So, so best stadium in terms of atmosphere would be Anfield and specifically when Liverpool beat Barcelona 4-0 last season in the Champions League semi-final. The best stadium just generally I've ever been to. I'd have to say Alabama's stadium. Brian Denny is absolutely incredible, as is Mississippi State Stadium. Best stadium in the NFL that I've been to. Um, Lambeau is amazing. Um, Carolina Stadium is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and the final one was worst stadium. The worst stadium I've ever been to. Christ, there's some shitholes, some old shitholes that used to be in the Premier League. <laughs> um, what's the word? A Millwall. So the Millwall are a really shitty team in in essentially what would be the third division here. They're a, their fans are terrible. They're just racist and awful. Like I used to have a mate who used to play for Millwall and he was black and he said the only he said the worst monkey charting he got was for his own fans. Just like, come on. That's just ridiculous. Yeah. The old the new den at Millwall, that's what it's called. It's an absolute shithole. It's in the southeast of London. Uh, Chris <laughs> I, I haven't been to that many stadiums. I, one of the worst is still I – mean, when they play football games at the, um, at the, Trop, at the Tropicana Field here yeah. in uh, St. Petersburg, I mean, that's just, that's just terrible. They do it for bowl games, and they do it um, – they do it for the East-West Shrine game, and I, I hate to dig on them because I love the Shrine game. But, uh, but it's not it's – not, it's great. We're, we all agree that the Shrine Games, this is a tangent, but we all agree that the Shrine practices, now that they're being held at the Tropicana Field, mm-hmm. are 
utterly superb. I mean, they're 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 better than senior bowl practices, is what I've is what I'm told by people who attend both. That um, you get more you get more hands on, uh, you get to look at the players more, you get better vantage points, and uh, and it's it's a lot more um, ideal for actually evaluating players and looking at them um, as opposed to the senior bowl. But the game being there is just awful. The, the bowl games are awful. And uh, that's the worst. Uh, I, that's it. Well, I have been to Lambeau. Uh, so that's, that's something. Um, and I like Lambeau quite a bit. Um, that's, uh, that's one of those places I, you know, you, 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 you open sort of the, the racism card, but uh, I have, I do have to say this about Lambeau. It's like, the nicest people there that will also tell you that a black quarterback will never win the Super Bowl. Um, <laughs> you know, that's that 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 was my experience. Literally, my exact experience at Lambeau. See, um, I thought I found I found Green Bay pretty progressive. Actually, I've got to say. I mean, I've been to some seriously less progressive places than, than Green Bay, Wisconsin, in in the U.S. Florida, well, you know, sometimes I wonder. Sometimes <laughs> I wonder if it's uh, if it's nice versus progressive because they're very nice. <laughs> they're oh, they're lovely. very nice <laughs> it's just they're very nicely telling me that uh you know that that there's no evidence really that a black quarterback will ever win the super bowl except that, so, that, that those videos of Doug except Wooden for that and, that it has russell happened. wilson and... <laughs> yeah except for the fact that it has happened multiple times but um yeah, yeah, yeah. but yeah, yeah. Anyway. um that but lambeau field was uh was a good um a pretty good football field the cheese curds there were second to none <laughs> uh, they were amazing. Uh, the the new Dolphins, I mean, it's the old Dolphin Stadium, but it's uh, post renovation is actually, I think, legitimately impressive. Yes, it um, is. And the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers Stadium post renovations mm. is also is also pretty impressive. Uh, I have to say that the press section, the press area, and the um and the Tampa Stadium is is better. But uh, that's that's my experience. Yeah, my first yeah, stadium, pre- Dolphins press box is really bad. Yeah, I just want to. I don't want to. I don't want to dig on them, but yeah, it's yeah. probably the worst in the NFL that I've been to. Chicago's isn't very good either. That's really cramped, and yeah, my, also New my Orleans first, isn't great. My first stadium was uh, a hellhole, and that's uh, Shea Stadium in Flushing, Queens. It's terrible. Uh, my last stadium, Hard Rock. And best stadium, I'm going to give it to Hard Rock Stadium also. Very, very, very nice. But my worst stadium, I'm going to hit, I'm, I'm going to break everybody's bubble here, especially down here in Miami. The Orange Bowl is probably the worst thing, the worst <laughs> structure ever created. Okay. Simon, uh, let me. What about Citrus Bowl? What about, have you been to the Citrus Bowl? Because that's pretty shitty too. The Citrus Bowl is AT&T Stadium compared to the Orange Bowl. And I've been to the Citrus Bowl. <laughs> Okay, I I'll went to is, I went to a UM. Who the hell were they playing? UM LSU, I believe it was. It was, it was in the '90s in the Citrus Bowl. I went to that, and compared to the Orange Bowl, oh my God, the Orange Bowl. Let me explain something about the Orange Bowl. It didn't have urinals. It had a trough, and a trough <laughs> you would urinate into would overflow and go down uh, the steps. And if you uh, were in the – yes, you know where this is going. And if you were sitting, uh, <laughs> yes, if you were sitting in the overhang, 
in the lower sections, it's possible you could feel a little rain. <laughs> okay, the Orange Bowl was an abomination, and it, everybody who waxes poetic and trust me, look, look, people, I've been, I was, That's I was at the AFC juice. Championship game. I was at the AFC Championship game when the Dolphins defeated the Pittsburgh Steelers. Okay, and Dan Marino took us to the Super Bowl in '94. I was at that game. I was at the Flutie game where Flutie threw a hail mary. That Hail Mary was actually caught right in front of me because I, was, I had tickets around the 15-yard line, okay? So I've been to great games there, and I saw Bernie Kosar, you know, duel it up and down the field with, with Frank Reich. Yes, it's – yeah, I understand all that. I understand the mystique. I understand the Bears game, all that stuff. That place was an absolute dump, okay? <laughs> and that, that – you know, you know what – I, I believe that, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I don't have any evidence to this, but they might have, that might have been a CIA black site before they broke <laughs> it down. Okay. I don't know how anybody can wax poetic about the Orange Bowl. It was an absolute embarrassment to the city. And I'm just glad it's gone. And in this place, of course, was, you know, a complete, you know, bamboozling of, of the taxpayer for Marlins Park. And that's also a very beautiful stadium, beautiful stadium, Marlins Park. But yeah. The Orange Bowl, the absolute worst of. Have the you done world. a lot? Have you done a lot of baseball stadiums? Uh, no, not really. Just uh, I've done. Ya- I've done Yankee, the Yankees, and um, the Orioles. The Orioles stadium's cool. Yeah, I've heard that Camden Yards. Camden Yards. Yeah. It looks amazing on the outside. I've been to yeah. Boston. Have you? Fenway. Fenway. Yeah, Fenway. Yeah. I've been nice? to Fenway, but only to a cafe inside Fenway because it's not, it was like during the day, like on yeah. a Wednesday or something. And so you could like see the field from inside the bar because they had this kind of floor to ceiling sort of wall, glass wall, but you couldn't actually, I didn't actually go in the stadium. Yeah, those people will tell you that a black quarterback can't win the Super Bowl, but they're not going to be nice <laughs> about it. Ah, <laughs> uh, the good old Boston fans. Yeah, you wait till Jameis Winston's starting for the next season. <laughs> And on that bombshell. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay, on the way out, we got we still got a little bit more time. Quickly, where does Cam Newton play this season? If at all. Simon. Um Jacksonville. That's a really good guess. Chris. Um, I don't think he's gonna start somewhere. I think he's gonna have to he's gonna have to back up and show that he's healthy. And I've heard Buffalo, but I don't know if there's anything real to that. Okay, that, that, that's interesting. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say it. He'll be the Patriots' starting quarterback this year. Really? Yes. I think they, I think they like Jarrett Stidham too much. Well, that's, that, that sounds like a personal problem. <laughs> okay. More like they like Trevor Lawrence too much. Maybe. Well, yeah, that too. Maybe. But maybe they look at their roster and say, you know what? We're good enough to actually try to do something this season. So let's give Cam Newton a shot with a one-year deal, and let's see where we go. You know, and I also got the feeling that Bill Belichick would like to extend his middle finger right at Tom Brady and win 12 games with Cam Newton and maybe make the AFC championship game. You know what I mean? So if if any coaching staff in the NFL is brazen enough to actually engage in the intentional losing thing, like coaching Mm -hmm. to lose the game, it's (laughs) It's that staff. It's that staff. He's yes. got his son. I've said this before. His son is the defensive coordinator, and the offensive coordinator is Josh McDaniels. He's I son. mean, you can, yeah, you cannot, you cannot get a cast of characters 
more nefarious than that triumvirate. And that's a scary thought, by the way, because we all know who's coming out next year. Uh, And with that, we are done this week, but we will come back next week. And when we come back next week, we begin to preview the NFL draft. Yes, they're actually holding that thing. We'll be talking about it next week. As the calendar turns to April, we will talk to you then. Thanks for listening to Three Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider.